Government slush funds? Deadly contagions? Military black ops? UFOs confirmed? What is this, the year 2020 or Michael Bay's cinematic masterpiece, The Rock? This is spoilers. Yeah. Let's go. That's a good one. Can you smell what The Rock is cooking? (laughs) Hello and welcome to Spoilers Podcast. I'm your host this week for the best Michael Bay movie ever made, The Rock. I think we got a pretty full boat tonight, so let's just hop into it right away. Uh, we're going to start with the usual Weast to East and just tell me where you're recording from. And the opening question is, if you were directing Nick Cage, what would be your dream role for him be? Oh, man. And Weast to East is Corey. Oh, this is so unfair. Uh, this is Corey. <laughs> Recording out of Simi Valley, California. I really wish I had more than five seconds to give you an answer to this. <laughs> um, I don't know. Anything anything with him being, like, on drugs or otherwise, like, um, all worked up like he is in the in-between moments in this movie, which I'll talk about later. But when you get Nick Cage amped up, like Vampire Kiss or Face Off... That's peak Nick Cage. That's the Nick Cage everyone likes. So I don't. Nothing specific comes to mind, but something in in that realm. I like that answer, uh, Pappy. All right, this is Pappy, recording from Mooseville, Colorado. Um, I mean, I think the Tiger King casting as Joe Exotic <laughs> is pretty fucking perfect. I'm really excited to see him as that. Uh, but I would just go. I want to see Nick Cage playing. Nick Cage. I, I want to direct kind of like a live action, like mockumentary biopic, and like make the man bigger than himself. So like, he's doing all like kind of that. weird Cage things. Like he's ordering a cheeseburger. He's getting coffee. He's buying tigers, like in real life, like he does. Aren't they like, doing all kind that? Of cool. I maybe. Yeah, he's uh, playing a movie. He's playing himself in a movie. Josh, that would be considered meta. <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> Josh, you ever heard of it? Two upcoming Nick Cage projects that I wish I could direct. But. Uh, all right, Stevie. Man, if I does it have to be a real person or just like any role? Just any any uh, role you want to see him in. Oh man, well, I would like to see the movie that we never got to see from the '80s, which is Tim Burton Nick Cage vehicle Superman. Uh, yes, Nick Cage. Superman lives as an older, now gruffer, a little, a little off his meds. Superman, I think, would be a lot of fun. And as much as I love uh, Henry Cavill, I think Nick Cage could pull off a better Superman at this point. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> he has voiced Superman in some of the DC animated stuff. Uh, that's a good answer, Stevie. I've always been uh, interested by that movie, and I think it is kind of fascinating. And yeah, that there's like video of that suit out there with him wearing it, and it, it's a pretty, <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> awesome awful looking suit. <laughs> yeah, uh, Josh, you're next. Old Nick Cage should never voice anything over. I need to see his face at all times. But this is Josh <laughs> from Goshen. Um, for Nick Cage, I think he's best when he's kind of self-deprecating uh i would probably i don't have a really good idea so i'd probably just write about him trying to write a good idea maybe get a twin in there (laughs) spoilers episode 75 (laughs) toss him way back 
I put up a poll on Spoilers Instagram today, Spike Jones versus Nick Cage, because I figured, you know, they both came up during the music video era. I'm oh, sorry, Spike Jones versus Michael Bay. Both directors, both came up around the same time. Of one of the 21% who voted for Michael Bay is on this podcast, and his name is Josh. So... <laughs> You betrayed Aren't your boy votes Spike. anonymous? I don't enjoy getting no. doxxed out like this. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> You're a changed I, man. I was in a mood. I've been kind of electric all day because this is the first time I've seen The Rock in about 12 years. And I was on cloud nine and I was loving Michael Bay in the moment. But that probably wasn't the greatest overall choice. So you got, what did you say? An answer? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the adaptation joke? Yeah, yeah, but I think that's about as good. I, to be honest, I like it when Nick Cage is like has a sensitive side at least to his role, where he's not just like a complete superhero. So I don't know if I'd like him in Superman, but like I think in this one is a perfect example where he's like kind of a nerd, but he's also gun wielding. So I do like enjoy it, Brett. Uh, yeah, this is Brett from Fort Wayne. Sorry, I'm a little under the weather. Um. I want to see a movie with Nick Cage with an identical twin, but that identical twin is played by Andy Samberg doing his Nicolas Cage impression. <laughs> I like this. That's a good like, idea. Nicolas Cage, the real Nicolas Cage is like the, if you look at the skit that I'm talking about, he's the calm one. And uh, Andy Samberg's Nicolas Cage is like the one who yells. is like a rage monster. I think that'd be the funniest freaking thing. Uh, I don't care who directs it, somebody funny, but I would love to see that. I like that idea. Uh, and I'm Mikey, I'm the host tonight, I'm recording from Goshen, Indiana, and I don't know if I can come up with anything better than that, but I was thinking about <laughs> maybe an American version of James Bond, uh, a younger Nick Cage, it's too late for that now, but I thought that would be kind of fun to do, but... That would be my idea, and uh, yeah, we're just going to talk about The Rock now, so we're going to start off with the intro here. Ed Harris uh, has a pretty touching moment here at his wife, at his uh, dead wife's grave, and uh, he gives a, a pretty emotionless, I miss you so much, <laughs> uh, speech. Uh, Josh, you have uh, a wife, she's very much alive, <laughs> but oh I think that God. you would- how badly do you think your wife would haunt you if you if this was the most you could muster up <laughs> at her grave? Good question. Also, I'm gonna go maybe kill a couple million people. No big deal. But I, <laughs> yeah. if I yeah. could speak about this intro, I hate it. There's a couple parts in this movie where it's more like a vignette and there's not like actual movie continuity. It's just kind of like flashes of imagery Stodge porn that's his ptsd and this is like <laughs> it straight right off the bat i don't know is it is all that stuff actually happening is he in a fever dream i don't know if we'll ever know so many helicopters <laughs> it's so <laughs> melodramatic too like oh my gosh i read in the facts that uh michael bay wanted more helicopters and jerry brockheimer had to pull them back like no you can't have any more <laughs> enough fucking helicopters okay <laughs> Come on, man. One more helicopter. Yeah. Uh, so, Josh, I guess my next question for you is, what is General Hummel after at the military base that uh, he breaks into at the beginning of the movie? Corey, do you know what the actual name of this secret ooze is called in this movie? <laughs> yeah, I, I keep forgetting. It's, called, it's the TGRI VX gas. <laughs> TGRI. 
<laughs> so a squadron of men have to attack this base, and they're trying to get this really terrible material. And what it does is, well, you see right off the bat, like this movie pulls no punches. Some guy gets left behind because one of the capsules bursts, and so they lock him in the vault. And I don't know if you guys have seen what is it, Crim- the Crimson Tide. There's like a scene where people get like locked in and they have to like drown and like people are banging on doors, but they kind of play into that right off the bat in this movie. And that's one of the things I remembered most from this movie. What happens to someone when they are exposed to this agent? It's pretty crazy. I think it's really important that they included that, obviously, so that we know what it does, but also everything up to that moment in the heist was not great. Like, what are you talking about? Do you guys remember American movie? When um, he's talking about, Mark's talking about how his family, they're off to have like a very sterile dinner in a very sterile environment. That's the way I feel about that heist scene. It's like the most sterile, bland, <laughs> bullshit heist scene I've ever seen. No, but it's all in Beovision, too. Like, this is like the peak of Michael Bay's style. No no shot during any action, action segment starts from a static position. It, the camera starts in motion mm-hmm. every time. So I, it's very stylistic. I find it very interesting. And always that, like, the camera is rolled at an angle or something. Like, you are coming mm-hmm. in at a weird angle and rotating around something. He's... Michael Bay likes to move and keep it snappy. There's also, like, a million cuts. It's so blue. It's so blue. <laughs> I sent you guys my favorite frame to the group thread of that, and I made like a stupid Star Wars meme out of it. But that th- that scene and that shot where he, one of the cronies, is like leaning up against a pillar, and his elbows are like completely out showing <laughs> past the pillar. <laughs> like, these are the worst troops guards ever. Uh, yeah, it's all super corny military. Uh, just military jerking off. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's really cheesy. Uh, <laughs> but they're not but, killing anyone. No, they're all getting darts in the neck. They're because Hummel Hummel uh, is still a military guy. He's not in it to kill people so far that we know of, and he's, not he's in just it to kind kill of, other military guys. Yeah, yeah. especially <laughs> other military guys. Got to keep his boys safe. Uh, but yeah, like Josh said, one loser gets sealed in there and turns into a, a Last of Us zombie. <laughs> Just <laughs> his face melts. Uh, Pappy, you share some similar interests with our uh, protagonist, Goodspeed. He's the biggest Beatles fan I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm a Beatle maniac, yeah. <laughs> Why did that yeah. ever come into play? Seriously. It's such a weird thing, too, because like there's that famous line in Pulp Fiction where like you're either a Beatles guy or an Elvis guy. And like in my head, Nick Cage is such firmly an Elvis guy, I can't even imagine him like really liking <laughs> the Beatles. Yeah, that's 100% true. I was just going to ask you, who is Stanley Goodspeed and what is his, what is his job and what's this day that we get in the life of Stanley? Uh, well, Stanley Goodspeed is the classic uh, FBI agent who's not really a hard ass, right? He's more there for the specific set of skills that he brings, and those skills are based in chemical weapons. And we get we see him like early on goofing off at the office, but then we get like a really I thought it was a really exciting scene where we get to see him being a badass. Oh, yeah. The first 15 minutes of this movie is just setting up our antagonist as a badass and our protagonist as a badass. And it's, it's really great. It's, he's got this crate, um, that's been shipped to, I think they said it was JFK airport and like he's basically, uh, 
making sure there's nothing in it. And he, he pulls out a bunch of porno mags and a baby. And then the baby releases this chemical gas in there. And we get to see him uh, sort of keep his cool while the other guy's freaking out. Just as a note, it's a doll. It's not a real baby. <laughs> right. That's a good point. Yeah. It's not an actual child. <laughs> it would have been way cooler if it was. Uh, but Brett, what does this gas do? What's How deadly is it? And what do we see happening inside well, this box? Is it the two two pieces of bad news? One is the gas is corrosive and it's eating through their suits. Uh, and unfortunately, the the sprinklers are not working. Uh, go figure. And then the, floor uh, problem. the worst part <laughs> is that there's enough CO2 to blow the whole building up. So he's got two different things he's got to worry about. But plus, his partner is absolutely useless. Um, more of a trainee, I guess, but, uh, he's just got a lot going on. Everyone's trying to get people out of the building and he has a problem, which we'll make a callback later on where he does not want to put the, uh, atropine into his body. And that's a big needle that's full of adrenaline. That's going to help you stay alert and. But you know the Pulp Fiction thing. Speaking of Pulp Fiction, yeah, I guess the idea is that as this, I mean, your body is, I'm sure, dying or whatever at this point and melting, but you would stay alive to defuse the bomb. I don't think you would survive, but I don't know. I just don't. Yeah, I don't think they want him to like pass out or, uh, yeah, if it starts, if he starts to pass out from the pain, I think the adrenaline would probably keep him. Yeah, he'd be jacked up, but he'd save people, I guess. Might end up looking like Ed Harris. <laughs> <laughs> he ends you know. up he ends up saving saving uh, the day. He stops the bomb with like, I don't know, 10 seconds left or something. And uh then we cut over to uh General Hummel. Uh Brett, I was going to come to you this come to you with this question again too if you want. Uh That's what fine. does Hummel just want for his dead soldiers? He's got a he's got a plan. And he's out there at Alcatraz ready to set it in motion. Yeah, it's actually, I believe this is based on what really happened. And it's really unfortunate. But soldiers that were involved in covert missions where they don't, you know, it's kind of cliche, but they don't really exist. Um, when they die overseas, they get left there. Their families get left out to dry. They don't get any money. Uh, they don't get any benefits, any VA benefits. They're just like, oh, sorry. And he's been fighting for it pretty much ever since he got back from, I don't remember, Desert Storm probably. And he's just had enough. Like They just keep uh, red taping him and dragging their feet. And it just they're not taking him seriously. So he's going to uh, push the issue. Yeah. The plan is he wants one million bucks guaranteed for all of uh, the families of the dead soldiers. And then I guess everybody who's working with him, his mercenaries, they're not. They're not going by that name yet. Uh, they're also going to get whatever is left over to be dispersed amongst them. But then they also can never come back to America, uh, which I don't know. doesn't seem that bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was thinking about that. I feel like it would be shitty because you'd wake up every day like checking the like diplomatic climate between the two countries, hoping they don't have extradition, right? <laughs> like, yeah, that would be hell. Like you could never like chill. I don't know. Vin Diesel and his family in the Fast and Furious <laughs> series true. seem to handle it pretty well. <laughs> the Rock just shows up there. The Rock comes to you. That's why this movie's called The Rock. <laughs> they, they just go hang out where, I mean, go where Roman Polanski is. That's worked out pretty well for him. Has can it we been define, like 40 years? 
Sorry, go ahead. Can we define staunch porn, though, Stevie? Because, like, mm. I, we got in, like, a heated debate texting back and forth today. I it wouldn't was, call it heated. You brought up stuff on Lord of the Rings that I said about <laughs> Peter Jackson being a racist. It, stuff got unearthed, but <laughs> we just had two different definitions of staunch porn. When I think of staunch porn, I think it's, like, rah-rah America, like, the later Rambo movies where we're just going in there. Kicking ass, American exceptionalism, that kind of, like, we can do no wrong. And so I didn't think this was staunch porn because this is, like, very critical of the military. Like, the whole antagonist is motivated by being how how left behind they were by the military. But you think it is staunch porn. So what do you mean when you say staunch porn? Okay, so I think I'm going to copyright staunch porn because I looked it up on the internet and it is nowhere to be found (laughs) in previous texts of any kind. His browser history. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Uh, but staunch porn to me is very much web. is very much like porn itself, or the fact that it has nothing to do with story. No one watches pornography <laughs> for story. It is all visual. That's all staunch. It's emotional. It's it's visual to create an emotional response from the viewer. So it has nothing to do with context of the story whatsoever. It's just pure visuals, and this. It's like the beginning, like what Josh said with like the military funeral and it had no purpose in the story like whatsoever or him being at like his wife's grave. That's just staunch porn. Ed Harris just being a badass general that like is so respected is kind of part of the staunch porn too, isn't it? Yeah, is that too story? Too much story there. I wouldn't say the beginning's <laughs> useless. It's a kind of an exposition, right? A little bit, a little basic. Everything in this movie is an exposition dump, Brett. I mean, literally, they call on a character and he rambles off things at breakneck speed for exposition purposes. Uh, so the entire would, movie is exposition. <laughs> I wouldn't say the beginning is exposition because all he s- literally says is, I gotta do this thing. <laughs> it's like, okay. I mean, and you then we really see Nick Cage. Like, could have started the movie off at like the depot where they're going to get the VX gas. That's true. You could have started the movie there and then done the exposition dump of, you know, here's a Purple Heart, you know, Congressional Medal of Honor, this guy's badass, and we can get into that. But, like, to start on the, on the, uh, you know, the, the uh, military funeral and the flag and him being at his wife's grave, that's just pure staunch porn. The PTSD flashbacks, pure staunch porn. That hard rain. Classic staunch porn. <laughs> yeah, classic. It, hard rain, definite sign of oh, staunch going porn. Diagonally, yeah. Definite sign. Just perfectly even rain, not made by a machine at all, just (laughs) dumping down on Ed Harris at his wife's grave. Uh, Yeah, but we also get this uh, pretty crazy phone call between Ed Harris and the U.S. government. Stevie, do you want to walk us through that and kind of uh, the conversation between him and his general friend on the U.S. government who kind of wants to jerk him off, it sounds like? (laughs) Are you talking about like when they first get him on the phone? Yeah, and he's making his demands. Yeah, he's making his demands, and Michael Bay has a great way of doing this, and I applaud him for it, because you can see a Michael Bay movie from a mile away. There's always one guy that's out of the loop, so like your main bad or even your main good could look smarter than the other guy in every single Michael Bay movie. And I'm sorry, but that press secretary guy did not look 33 when Ed Harris is like secretary's chief of staff, wasn't he? Yeah, chief of staff, whatever he is, he's just he's honestly serves no function in the story whatsoever besides for uh Ed Harris to look stronger. Um, it made for some good outtakes though, did it not? 
Oh my god, was that not amazing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you guys haven't seen the outtakes for this, go look it up. Ed Harris. Was that Michael uh, Bay screaming suck it up at him every time? <laughs> That's what I was wondering. That's so it's gotta mean. Be. Who else would possibly say that to Michael him? Michael Bay has some, losing his shit. He has some testicles on him, man. Like Ed Harris started doing that, I'd be like, "All right, everybody, want to take lunch?" I know it's the third time, but third lunch <laughs> sounds good. Dude, I was thinking the exact same thing. Ed Harris was like into it, though. He was loving the the anger as he was kicking the trash can and screaming "fuck." He he, he wanted to be. Yeah. Well, he's mic'd up right there, and you hear him say, "Oh, suck it up." Well, fuck you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Under his breath. Just let Michael Bay suck it up. Roll it again. <laughs> <laughs> Take it again from the top, sir. <laughs> Close the vault! You've got 40 hours, noon, day after tomorrow, to transfer the money into chance. Uh, Go back to one, please. Suck it up. Here it goes. I'm trying, man. Right, transfer the, to arrange to transfer the money. You're getting high off that fucking cigar. Ready? Go rolling. But yeah, Mikey, sorry to go off the rails on there. But yeah, it's this giant exposition dump of... Uh, Pretty much the guy in the room describing who Ed Harris is, uh, General Frank yeah, Hummel, he's who's a legend. This multi, multi, multi metal, you know, he's pretty much. Uh, he's big boss. He's Fisher from uh, Splinter Cell. <laughs> I mean, he, yeah. he's the man. <laughs> uh, you talking about Hummel? Yeah. Well, I mean, let's not forget he's the lowest ranking general. He's a brigadier general, so let's slow down. The man on. has three purple hearts and, and the a congressional, congressional medal, medal of, of honor. honor. Brett. Congressional medal of Jesus. That's what yeah, that's the line exactly is. That's exactly what it says. <laughs> <laughs> congressional that's medal of Jesus Christ. Jesus. Jesus Christ. <laughs> General Hummel in Vietnam. I think he was a major at the time. Three tours in Vietnam, Panama, Grenada, Desert Storm, three purple hearts, two silver stars, and the congressional medal of Jesus. This man is a hero. It's very 90s, right, to have, like, the government, like, conspiracy things, because there's this whole, like, slush fund and person that they've, like, <laughs> kept in prison. It feels like an episode of the X-Files, right, with the FBI and everything. Plus the thing Mason finds, we'll get to that later, but he basically finds the X-Files. He, like, <laughs> finds yeah, evidence exactly. of UFOs. He steals all these documents and stuff, top secret documents. But yeah, I love that part of it, uh, Pappy, is the whole conspiracy of the slush fund, which is funded by illegal arms sales from uh, the U.S. government. Uh, I thought that was really cool, and it gave Hummel uh, actual motivation and like a deserving motivation. It's not him just going off the rails. He's actually got uh, plot armor to it. Um, but yeah, and then uh, the government ends up recruiting the help of John Mason, Played by Sean Connery and uh, Nick Cage. Goodspeed. Corey, how badly does this uh, opening t- interrogation go between Goodspeed and Mason? Uh, it's actually probably one of my favorite moments of the movie. Uh, so Mason looks like insane. He's like all, he's got like the crazy long hair. He's been in prison for 30 years with like no trial. He's like a, I don't know, a, a British, like, agent of some kind that came to steal, like you guys said, the X-Files. And they just imprisoned him, like, without trial. But um, he's clearly, like, the ultimate badass. He's escaped Alcatraz before, so that's why they're bringing him in. And when Goodspeed goes to interrogate him, he's like, I guess like Pappy said before, he like not really a field guy, so he's kind of, like, stumbling along. But it's just hilarious to see Nick Cage in moments like this. And... The the non action scenes of this movie are are what I do like 
a lot, especially when Nick Cage is just kind of like fumbling around and I don't know. It's a good introduction to Mason. You can tell like he's like unhinged. He's been in prison too long and he's, he's actually just well, kind of cool the good too. speed. But of course you are. So the comedy works for you, Kylo? That's so surprising. Nicholas Cage works for me. Like <laughs> he's just funny. <laughs> Yeah, I love the uh, the quote. Yeah, can we get a cup of coffee up in here? <laughs> Where he's just like totally nervous and right. just doing and, everything. And it's not that he Connery's says that saying. so much as like the way he says it. Like he's, he's yeah. so Nick Cagey about it. Coffee. No, no, I'm fine. Thank you. Offer me coffee. Oh, yes. Well, that was in fact going to be my next. Can we get a cup of coffee in here, please? Uh, yeah, after that, uh, Mason gets a haircut from a stylist who uh, ends up giving him this haircut out on the balcony. And we get a pretty funny scene there where Sean Connery tries to make his escape. Josh, what happens uh, during that scene? So Sean Connery is like in the shower. And I think one of the like on-duty cops is actually looking at one of the dirty magazines from like the test earlier something like that i noticed that on this watch but anyway sean connery like starts pulling at something on the wall and a big rope comes out and so he's hiding this like what rope in that? his sleeves i don't know it's like a it's like hotels it's for drying your clothes you can like there's like a corresponding oh. female piece that you could hook that end of the rope into and i thought can, it like, was a way to on. wipe your butt or something happy but. is well traveled <laughs> It's a rope to hang yourself if you want to commit suicide. I I used to swing those ropes around in the shower all the time. I gave my dong. It's so fun. (laughs) Sean Connery hides a rope in his pocket like Pappy used to or whatever. (laughs) At a point. He gets his like arch nemesis. And I don't remember what this cop is named, but he's one of like the head FBI guys. And they. He's the FBI director. He's the big boss. Yeah, he's the director of the FBI, and he's like, they got a history, because like, he's the one that caged Connery up, Like you, I guess, as you kind of piece the story along the way. But he gets him alone out there, because he like ordered all this food for the agents to eat, Snacks. and he tosses him over the edge. And Mikey, do you think his arm should have just ripped right off when he throws him <laughs> over the edge and like, hangs him? Age, his... <laughs> Fucking sockets are made of dust. That thing would have ripped his arm off for sure. I was thinking that the whole time. The thing time. is, he's not as old as he looks. I love John Spencer. He's trust me. He's he's younger than you think. I I would say. I think any man would get their arm ripped off. You're just hanging by all your weight on your wrist. I think. Are you a Womack apologist? No, no, no. I, he's not as old I, as you think. And you know what? He's no, the big I love boss. John Spen- he's the I love John Spencer. I'm just saying he's a lot. <laughs> Uh, he's younger than I uh, I thought. Says here he was 37 when he shot this movie. No, are no. you serious? No, <laughs> he's like he's like 49. That's the way a bread made like it. 49. <laughs> that's, that's that's grandpa age. It's 13 years. Can we talk about something real quick? In this post chase, though, the music that plays after Sean Connery runs. I don't think we talked about the. Hans Zimmer score. Does it not sound exactly like Pirates of the Caribbean? Though? Exactly. Exactly. There are moments where it's, it's exactly the same. Like there's like a three second moment <laughs> where it's identical. I, ha- I have a note that says later on that there's something that sounds just like Lord of the Rings too. And I, I'll have, when we get there, I'll mention it. But yeah, there's the musical score is pretty. 
I think it's pretty awesome. good, I think, but it's also like, yeah. I hate it's it. It's cool. <laughs> really, Pat, this movie is rubble, basically, without the music, in my mind. I don't know what you're talking I thought the music was, like, repetitive and didn't seem to add a lot. I, I was oh, not into the score I at all. And I found a couple... I found a couple... The top IMDb review said the exact same thing, and I felt so relieved, because I hadn't heard anybody else say Did that. Did this so win best sound, though? That's not what that means. Best sound is, like, the editing and the mixing and the effects No, it's all sounds. But if they just have <laughs> shit music, you yeah. think they're going to give them best sound? Next year on the uh, spoilers Oscar special best sound, we're going to play all the sounds <laughs> from all the different movies. That'd be awesome, actually. For- <laughs> it's perfect for the format. <laughs> Uh, okay, and then after that, uh, we get Brett's favorite uh, movie trope. We get a car chase, a pretty awesome car chase. Stevie, what happens uh, in this car chase? Yeah, so um, as I said, Michael Bay, you think he moves like breakneck speed when he does expo- exposition or military things? Oh, my God. <laughs> Every half a second went from back of car to face to full car, to full view city, back to the back of the car, back to nostril. It was <laughs> so hard to watch, but also so much fun to watch, too, because you have a thousand different things going on. But uh, pretty much Nick Cage and Sean Connery destroy uh, greater San Francisco with the Hummer <laughs> and Ferrari. Um, and there's also that awesome trope of uh, – I don't know if you call it a trope, but an old woman uh, who looks like she's mere seconds away from death. Uh, oldest woman. Like, literally. I mean, the Grim Reaper is six inches behind her. Uh, it, it's a Miss Pappy. <laughs> and she's crossing the street c- carrying flowers. Uh, I think she's going to Hummel's wife's grave as well. And... Uh, yeah, uh, just explosions nonstop, and honestly, a cut every quarter of a second. But the fun thing that we learn for more exposition um, is that uh, Mason has a daughter, and he's going to meet the daughter. And here's more staunch porn, which is a beautiful house with a beautiful lawn and a and a uh, white picket fence. Uh, great staunch <laughs> porn there when you see the daughter leaving her house. That's just fantastic. But yeah, uh, Sean Connery meets up with his daughter that he hasn't seen. He meets seen. up with Brandy Spinning <laughs> from, from Mallrats. Her most famous role, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Two movie club, at least. Three movie club. Oh, three Goodwill movie Hunting. Club. Wait. That is one of the most classic spoilers episodes. Hmm. Uh, and yeah, so, uh, Pappy, who uh, is this? What is what goes down in this conversation with uh, Sean Connery and Jade? Jade Angelou. Yeah, obviously you kind of feel for Sean Connery here because uh, he hasn't had a chance to raise his daughter. It's not really his fault, uh, and, and she's obviously a little sketched out that her convict daughter is showing up uh, out of nowhere, or her convict dad is showing up out of nowhere in her life. She has a friend join her, but all he asks is that basically, like. Can you, can we start to build a relationship? Can you hear me out? I promise I'm not evil. If you understand that, then, then maybe we can go somewhere. And in the meantime, the feds show up and surround them and are pointing guns <laughs> at them. And, and Nick Cage does, uh, 
Nick Cage does a really nice thing because he, he, he goes up to, to the daughter and Sean Connery and he says, hey, you know, your dad's like a hero. He's helping us out. We need his help. And then as soon as they get out of there, he goes, would you cut the chit-chat, a-hole? <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the best lines of the you whole movie. You say we cut the chit-chat. <laughs> Such a strange delivery. What do you say we cut the chit-chat, a-hole? A-hole? <laughs> yeah. Cage. Which the, the writing on this I heard was a clusterfuck. Like apparently this is the second movie review in a few weeks that we've done that has Quentin Tarantino as a ghostwriter plus QT worked on this and Sorkin plus yeah. a bunch of other people. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's weird. I don't think the writing's bad. I, th- I like the dialogue at least between uh, Cage and Connery. I think Bay just asked people to punch it up. And he just uses every single idea that they throw I, at the book. I read that. <laughs> Sounds good. You bring, you bring the cockroaches? Yep. Got I the read cockroaches. that it was like a lot like. darker, uh, <laughs> not, a lot less funny, and a lot of the stuff was ad lib. Like Nick Nicholas Cage did a lot of ad libbing, so that's why it's funnier, I guess. When you hire him, you let him work. Nick Cage is like Brett on the pod, where he doesn't swear <laughs> at all. Just at the end, we get. A little side story of Goodspeed. Uh, he's lear- now learning the fact that he's the specialist of this group and he has to go inside and that gives him a bunch of anxiety and he ends up throwing up because he has to go into Alcatraz and he has no field training, really. Um, and then we get... <laughs> Have you ever uh, been in a combat situation? <laughs> yeah. Is that a bathroom from 12 Angry Men, by the way? It's like super it's old. It's gross, too. <laughs> So dirty. <laughs> when when he's asked if he's ever been in a combat situation, and he says, like, what do you mean? And then it cuts to that one, like, Marine. It, like, zooms in on him. My and he, God. It's so I, fucking stupid. I, I, memorized that. I memorized that when I was a kid. Like, uh, I mean, I still, I still have it memorized, but, oh. like, I don't know why. Brett, hit it. An encouraged underwater to retake an impregnable fortress held by an elite team of U.S. Marines in possession of 81 hostages and 15 guided rocket rockets armed with Phoenix poison gas. Well, in that case, no. (laughs) Stevie, does that qualify as staunch porn dialogue? So staunch porn. (laughs) Like, when they zoom in on his face, and they're just like, hit it, and he freestyles. And, like, that's... that's TJ, drop that shit. Yeah, like, spin your shit! And uh, that's Fabrizio from Titanic. And I was waiting for a cruise ship to fall on that man. Like, before he finished saying it, I was so annoyed by that. And there's a lot of this in this movie, but yeah, uh, that is definitely staunch porn dialogue. He gets his pretty soon, Stevie. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, he'll get his comeuppance. Yeah. If, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, that piece of shit. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> and then right after that, we get our classic Michael Bay, we need more helicopters scene. <laughs> Where I would like to say 15 helicopters take off uh, and head towards Alcatraz. And uh, we get to pretty close to Alcatraz where we drop some underwater motorcycle bikes or whatever uh, with Mason and Goodspeed riding in on one. And it's pretty much the whole group of Marines also rolling in underwater to break into Alcatraz. They made models for this scene. I went down the wormhole after you sent that video, Mikey, today, of looking at like behind the scenes stuff and like having them actually underwater with those props. They did shoot that, but that wasn't enough. He wanted bigger shots with models that were a fourth of the size. So 
like full teams of artists <laughs> designing miniatures of like those snowmobile looking things and the people riding them. Spared no expense. Spared no <laughs> <Seriously>. expense. <laughs> It serves very little purpose in the movie, but it- <laughs> I just assumed he developed that technology just for the movie. Uh, those <laughs> underwater bikes didn't exist at the time, and he patented that that whole machine. Uh, but we break into Al- Alcatraz, and then we get this insane uh, scene of Sean Connery rolling and sliding around <laughs> through flames and dirt and gears uh, just to open up a door uh, five feet away. Brett, uh, what is this crazy contraption that he has to go through? Oh, uh, the it's just a bunch of like flamethrowers, and it's it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like what Sean uh, Harrison Ford has to go through in the third Indiana Jones movie, except with a lot of fire. Uh, he has it. I don't know. It's just I don't know what it is. Like an oven, except this time it's Indiana Jones's dad doing it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, he's got to tie him all these flamethrowers and knife blades. I don't know. It's and then they all just think it's one of my least favorite parts of the movie. And I say that like relatively because I love this movie. But they're like, oh, he just he left us high and dry. It's like, where's he? Go- where's he going? Son of a bitch. I knew it. I knew it. Like, come on. He's just, he's got to find the door, man. Give him some time. This is, everybody thinks Mason is a joke uh, because they're just going in with blind faith that this guy had broken out of Alcatraz, which no one ever has. Uh, and this is their only way to get in. So he has this whole backstory of, I had to memorize the sequence. Uh <laughs> And so he's like trying to, I get whatever he memorized wouldn't even be the same because he's doing it in reverse. He's breaking oh, in rather than out. So he would definitely be dead. He's uh, a genius. No. Mikey, I have a theory that he's had nothing else to think about for the last like 30 years. This is like, uh, kind of like when Obi-Wan was thinking about that reversal move on Darth Maul for like three years. <laughs> So that he could have the high ground on Anakin, and he knew that he couldn't be defeated with the high ground. Like, he's had nothing else to do in solitary but to replay those moments over and over. What are the chances that Sean Connery is just James Bond in this movie, but really old? That would be cool if they tied that in. But there's there's no way he would survive that because everything isn't backwards and he wouldn't even be thinking about that because he's in a new prison. He would be thinking about how to break out of the new prison Mikey, we need a cool way for him to show up and say, welcome to the rock. <laughs> welcome to the rock. Hey, hey actually, Mikey, to, to, to add to what you're saying, I just read about a lot of people point out the fact if he's coming in reverse, wouldn't the door just have been unlocked when he was escaping 30 years earlier? Wait a minute. <laughs> oh shit but this just says however when Alcatraz was functional the door may well have been guarded or locked from the other side but that's a good question to ask I think I never thought about it until that you that's a problem with a Michael Bay movie like I started thinking about it afterwards and I was like oh that doesn't make sense yeah that's like, like a question Ben did- Affleck would ask and Michael Bay would tell him shut the fuck <laughs> exactly. up exactly <laughs> Why didn't Sean Connery just leave a doorstop in the door 40 years ago in case he ever wanted to come back? Why did this army unit... astronauts to mine. Yeah, why didn't this army unit just rob a fucking bank? (laughs) Just get money. (laughs) 
That's all you want. That sorry for cursing. That that's a good point. I don't hate that. Uh, yeah, and then uh, Sean Connery opens up the door, and then he says, "Welcome to the Rock." Welcome to the Rock. And right after this, uh, Stevie, oh you God. texted me earlier this weekend. Uh, everybody calls you Gulag Steve. Dude, uh, I'm telling you, this is. <laughs> well, what happens in this scene in this dingy bathroom with Ed Harris's men? Okay, can someone explain this to me? Why did that guy think that he like uh, uh, pretty much like dismantled that laser thing? Like all he did was literally jig it. That's all he did. I feel like that wouldn't even work for my garage door laser sticking a mirror in between it. Like, there's no way that would actually work at all, right? <laughs> it sounds terrible. <laughs> you know, I'm doing the whole Josh thing. It's best not to think it's a Michael Bay movie. So anyway, uh, these Navy SEALs enter the uh, enter the gulag showers um, and more breakneck speed of Marines running and screaming. And eventually when they get in the showers, uh, Ed Harris's guys have the high ground. And this is where we meet – we have a great mm. standoff with John Connor's dad and Ed Harris screaming at each other about <laughs> who's more patriotic. It is so amazing. I cannot get that order! I cannot get that order! And he's screaming about how they're taking oaths and mutiny. I mean – and Michael Bay does this great thing. I love Michael Bay movies where he'll cut in and out of random characters that have no purpose, like in the scene whatsoever. And so you have those guys going, Oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Then you have the, you know, the assholes up top going, let's waste these fuckers. And you, it's just moving a thousand miles an hour. I think it's an awesome scene. Just a bunch of beefcake sweating, holding oh, guns dude. at each other. Rock hard, staunch porn in the gulags. <laughs> so, and admittedly, as much as they're throwing against the wall here, because just everything happens. One of the fa- my favorite details is when, like, it's kind of like the Boston Massacre. Is that oh, what it's no. called? Like, no one took a shot first. Is like that brick fell and made a loud noise, and people freaked out. Like, I thought that was kind of a cool toy. The brick made a gunshot noise. <laughs> Get it correct. Made the exact same Rick shot a gun with its fingers. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, a lot of slow motion death. Um, a lot of like, it looks like lightning going off, but I imagine it's just the, the brightness of the guns, like the fire firing off. And then, um, you have that scene where Stanley Goodspeed, uh, is terrified for his life when he grabs Fabrizio. And, uh, he's like, don't go. And, <laughs> Fabrizio does that great thing where he looks around for a few seconds to kind of assess what's going on, even though he hears everyone dying. And I'm pretty sure he just starts shooting at the ceiling before eventually getting shot in the head. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic scenes all around. And John Connor's dad has a great slow motion death. So probably my favorite part of the entire movie. That dude is always dying. Fabrizio gets caught camping and gets promptly headshot. <laughs> promptly. <laughs> everybody in that room. It's kind of bad seal work, wouldn't you? Th- I mean, what, what do you think? Should he? Shouldn't he stay and try to help the other two at the mission, or do you think he owes it to his squad to go help them? I feel like he should stay. I mean, he's not going to. He's not the type of person that Michael would stay. Bay wants-, wants you to believe that he owed it to his yeah, squad. I don't know. Yeah, but, right, but he's got him. He's got a mission, man. He's got a mission. Honestly, he's so. How dumb. did none of them get a shot off on the guys above him? Like, is the, high ground, the high ground that Josh? dominant? It's, it's, high ground. They think it's high just ground. Ang- angles. Yeah, 
They're in an elevated position. <laughs> I would like to say something about The Rock that we've gotten to this point in the pod where we're icebox momenting the shit out of it and asking all these questions that you would never think of in the time. Like, the breakneck pace of this movie doesn't even allow you to think of any of those nope. questions, right? Nope. Like, it's so... It is so fast. Masterfully fast, masterly edited, just like thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. Like, obviously, if you... You know, people say, you know, it's junk food cinema. It's not good for your brain, that kind of thing. But like, I think the way that they pull off this trick of making you never ask the questions <laughs> is actually really impressive. Like, I think that's really it is. phenomenal. I 100% agree, Pep. I couldn't have said it better. And we do need to keep moving, uh, because we are only like halfway through this movie. Uh, so that pretty much implies Mason Good. Good speeder on their own. Hummels uh, has a touching moment where one of his dead Marines is like, or where one of the dead, one of the Marines that was shot uh, is dying. And uh, he kind of shuts his eyes by poking him. It's a Navy SEAL. We do not want to get people mad at us. That was a Navy oh, SEAL. Is it a seal? Yeah. Is it SEALs? Okay. Uh, well, they're all dead. I think they all turned it off when I called it staunch porn, Brett. That's true. Uh, all Sorry. those Navy SEALs are dead now. It's just Mason and Goodspeed. Uh, and then right here we get the backstory into why Mason is, uh, is kept secret for so long. He stole the X-Files, like we said, pretty much. And Goodspeed ends up convincing Mason, uh, to stick around and work together because Mason just wants to leave the island. He's now got no, uh, no more incentive to stay. Everybody's dead. He's trying to make well, his way off the island. You saw what he could do earlier with like a rope in the shower. What could he do with this gun in his hand? Like he's unstoppable now. Here, here's the thing. I love this movie. Like I said, I love John Spencer, even though he's a huge douche. I think one of the worst lines of the movie is when the William Forsythe's like, it's over. And John Spencer goes, not for Mason. It isn't like what? He doesn't give a crap about what's going on. Did yeah. I, or did I hear that wrong? No, it's what he said, and it makes no sense in the context of the movie. Yeah, because like because <laughs> he literally he tries to peace out two seconds later. Yeah, just it, like for someone who knows Mason as well as uh, Womack does, it, it just doesn't make sense. Like it's it's a mistake. I, I think that's like I think there are a few scenes of bad writing. I think that's one of them. It doesn't make any sense. But Mason did stick around to the very end. He went against his like instinct to do it, right? Yeah, but yeah, and then he finds out. Yeah, but he, he also finds out that his daughter's at risk. So, you know, he doesn't do it out of the kindness of his heart. Yeah, he didn't know that before. He makes a decision that you know I can help Stanley out. I don't want his kid growing up without a father. I know he says that later, but but yeah, his daughter's at risk. So, I mean, he makes a wise decision for himself and his family. They get blown up. Uh, the Hummel's men drop a. I don't know, like a gas tank or a bomb or something down and that blows up. They uh, dive under the water and avoid all the fire. And then they hop back up up top. Uh, they're actually in the prison now. And Josh, is this the biggest knife to ever be thrown straight through another man's <laughs> neck on screen? Or, or am they I wrong? They put a GoPro on the knife, through the knife, took the shot in slow motion. <laughs> I think this is actually the guy, the guy that gets killed here, I think is the guy that I mentioned earlier who leans up against the pillar. Um, just to throw back to that, cause I still think his elbows were just clearly <laughs> out. Like you yeah. gotta tuck those in, bro. It's a tough look. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he, 
I don't know, Mikey. Yeah, he gets stabbed by this big old knife with like a compass on it or something. <laughs> by 007. Q yeah. gave him that gear, Q- actually. <laughs> and Mason has a classic line, you must never hesitate. As he, <laughs> right after he throws that knife and murders that guy. Uh, they have a pretty incredible bro moment with the prom queen speech. Um, it's a, it's a moment where Goodspeed kind of like proves that he is manly enough, I guess, uh, in Mason's eyes. Stan, more like Stanley enough. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, tough enough to actually go and finish this mi- mission, uh, because, Mason needed some convincing. He wasn't convinced by Goodspeed's skills to get this thing done. Uh, and during this time, Goodspeed is working on disabling all all of the rockets. They just happen to all be in one location, pretty much, besides a couple of them. Uh, Pap, what happens when these other guys show up uh, while Nick Cage is disabling these rockets? Uh, is this where it turns into minecart madness? <laughs> <laughs> from yeah. Donkey Cart. Donkey Kong, yes. From Donkey Kong to yeah. Indiana Jones 2. Yeah, exactly. I've played the level Minecart Madness so many times, I feel like I could almost do it like with my eyes closed. I know exactly when to hit B. Uh, but they're dealing with these glass balls and they have to make a quick escape, I think. I'm trying to think of how they end up in the minecarts. It all happens so fast, but they're now basically below the tracks or, or their Alcatraz has this whole like mine system underneath it. And that's when I don't think we've mentioned Dr. Cox from scrubs uh, <laughs> kind of gets chewed out uh, by Ed Harris. And he comes down to, to, to try and eliminate Nick cage. That, that's this part, right? Where all this is happening it's real quick. Yeah. Uh, I want to mention, so you mentioned Dr. Cox, but Ed Harris has a couple like really cool henchmen like that are pretty noteworthy. Um, Tony Todd who yeah. is Candyman. Is one of them, Candy but he's man. also like big in Star Trek. He plays Worf's brother, and he plays Jake Sisko in my favorite episode of Star Trek. So he's pretty fucking awesome, and he's very intense in this movie, and he's kind of like perfect for that part. And he can wear a beret. David Morse. But also, I don't know if you guys noticed this guy, Tuco Salamanca from Breaking Bad. Yep. <laughs> and yep. Better Call Saul. But anyway, <laughs> I thought there were some noteworthy henchmen that should be mentioned. Yeah, I think there's a pretty good pretty deep cast on this uh but yeah during uh this minecart ride lots of these henchmen die uh and we get some pretty funny dead dummies getting thrown around and lit on fire uh it's pretty goofy special effects uh but i i love that kind of thing i heard that michael bay hates to use second unit directors now specifically because of the dummy in that scene like, he was so pissed at the way it turned out that he like doesn't trust anybody else like he has real trust issues when it comes to that kind of stuff there's like three dummies in that scene alone, and then there's like another two, I, I think, at least, getting thrown through various things. But I, I loved it. I love that kind of thing. It's so cheesy. And I think it fits this movie pretty well. Uh, Hummels ends up taking a, uh, one of uh, his captive hostages uh, out of the cell, and then he's got a gun Sam pointed Whipple? at Sam Whipple? What was that? I think it's Sam Whipple. He just like his job is to like be a little bitch about to get shot in the head for like two minutes. Of course, he has a family of four. Could you <laughs> yeah. grab the one guy who's like, I have nothing to live for. Keep fighting. Oh, fucking Linnell in there. <laughs> My name is Larry yeah. Henderson. <laughs> Josh, what's <laughs> what's uh, Mason's plan to get uh, 
to to get that hostage taken care of. How's he going to get that hostage away from Hummel? He's going to just like walk up there to him and just start talking to him man to man. And this is where, like, I think when you were talking earlier, I wanted to basically say this comment. Like, I think Mason realizes it's a big bluff because he's smart and like he knows things and he's wizened. And so this is like a waste of his time. He basically came back just to save Nick Cage. And so now he's face to face with the general and he's basically just like, you're a stupid idiot for this plan. <laughs> kind of like we we're saying earlier, like Michael Bay wrote this plan for you or something. Cause this is terrible. It sounds like a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> Don't do this. <laughs> and like that distracts him enough. And like, basically you never see Sam Whipple again. I guess he goes back to his cell happily. Uh, ever no, after. He dies off screen for sure. <laughs> gets two in the head. <laughs> Uh, and then after that, uh, Nick Cage gets his ass beat and he's taken prisoner along with, uh, Sean Connery. Uh, they're both held up in a cell in different cells. Pap, you've broken out of jail on more than one <laughs> occasion. How does Mason get I out have. of his cell and free good speed? Well, for, first of all, the monologue that Nick Cage is giving during this scene is freaking hilarious as he's talking about Zeus's butthole and all these other things. It's <laughs> <laughs> like hilarious little, like the classic Nick Cage, it, I guess largely improv comedy, like Brett was saying. But, yeah. uh, what, what he does is he takes a wheel off his bed, I think, and he fastens it into a sort of lasso. He's able to like twirl that around and release the lever and he does it right when nick cage is saying how in zeus's butthole did you escape in the name of zeus's butthole also i'll take pleasure in gutting you boy yeah that's like classic nick cage's like the few minutes that he's in the the cage what do i want to say so there we go I, I think it calls into question some of the integrity of Alcatraz. Like, if he was able to do this when it was full of guards and prisoners, <laughs> that, that, that he was able to do this 60 years ago or whatever. But at the time, it's a really funny scene, I, I thought. It, it's a nice, lighthearted moment. Let me see if I can get this straight. You went down the incinerator chute, on the mine cart, through the tunnels to the power plant, under the steam engine. That was really cool, by the way. And into the cistern through the intake pipe, but <clears throat> how, in the name of Zeus's butthole, did you get out of your cell? I only ask because in our current situation, well, it could prove to be useful information. Maybe! I think it uh, just shows, again, how competent Mason is and just builds upon like the legend of him and how he did end up escaping from uh Alcatraz. I think it's cool. He can get out of Alcatraz and out of also out of like light rape, uh, gang rape situations. Yep. He mentions it's less of a problem these it's days. It's the '90s. That's that's a classic <laughs> prison joke uh, <clears throat> that still gets made sometimes. But that's uh, I'm sure that was probably QT's writing. Josh, you might have to take <laughs> that up with him. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, so yeah, the plan is pretty much. Hummel's plan is pretty much gone to shit now. Uh, Goodspeed has disabled like every missile that he has. There's only a couple left now. And he, Hummel's is deciding to launch a deadly VX gas rocket right at uh, San Francisco. And he's got one really crazy subordinate guy who's 
uh, all gung ho on the prison bed. Who's <laughs> like, I'm lock cock ready to rock. We, uh, when do we get to murder, there. sir? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The two guys that he did that he didn't know are the ones that are kind of crazy, like Tony Todd. And then the other guy, they're, they're definitely there to murder people. Yeah. They want money so bad. They they're hamming somebody. it up for sure. They're hamming it up. You see that guy's jawline, you know he wants to kill somebody. <laughs> it's funny, too, because we all know the one you're talking about. <laughs> uh, I think uh, this is another scene where Sean Connery and Mason have another disagreement on whether they're splitting up again or whether they're going to try and save the day. Uh, but Sean Connery ends up backing up Cage once more. And he ends up snapping one dude's neck to save him. Uh, and then he's kind of on board for the rest of the movie. Brett, why does Hummel wuss out and redirect the missile at the very last second? I'm not ready to kill these people. Um, he, like, uh, somebody said he's, he's bluffing. I mean, he, he never wanted to do it. It was, uh, he said it he's, later, this whole plan was predicated on the threat of force. He never intended to kill anyone. He just hoped. That they would give him the money because he knew they had the money. Um, he he kind of at that point just decided it's over. It's not going to happen now. It's, I guess a little selfish for the the people, but I think it's a good call because it killed eighty thousand people. Uh, so he, you said he does launch the rocket, but he wimps out at the last minute. He's going to send it straight into a Raiders game. Oh yeah, Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so what? There's like 200 people exactly. there? How many people could possibly have? No great game? loss. But uh, my question for you guys, because I might have just missed this. Maybe it was a throwaway line. Why doesn't the government just pay him out? They don't negotiate with terrorists? You know the president's stance. Yeah, it's the most famous line in all movies. Uh, we do not negotiate with terrorists. I mean, I have to think that the government has paid a few people every now and then. To avoid shit like this, but uh, yeah, it's a Michael Bay movie. It's best not to think. The the United States government's not going to admit that they have an illegal slush fund either. Yeah. Stevie, I think this is one you can dive into, though. This is a pretty key plot point. Like, It's all predicated on this money, and it's brought up over and over again. Each guy is supposed to get a million dollars. Each family is supposed to get a million dollars. Like, They didn't seem to try to show any goodwill of just trying to like compensate those soldiers. They, I don't know. Yeah. The government wasn't working too well. Can I say something? This is like why I think this movie might have some politics that are like directly opposed to like staunch porn. Like the government is actively choosing to sacrifice a hundred million dollars over 81 people's lives. And when that choice is made, there's a, like a really low, Zoom in West Side Story Michael Bay shot of like the <laughs> army guy with a big American flag in the background when he like like is like yep. suiting up to like go out. Like I I know that on the surface it's patriotic imagery, but I think we're supposed to realize as an audience, and, and maybe not, but I think we're supposed to realize that as an audience that this is like we're choosing to kill eighty one people rather than give them a hundred million dollars, which is like of infinite money in a slush fund that no one even cares about. Or they're trying to kill them to protect it so they can't shoot those rockets Staunch off. porn is a visual medium, Pappy. I think staunch porn is anti-government. <laughs> Pro-military, anti-government. That makes sense to me. Uh, yeah, there's lots of stuff like that. 
And like we said, that one, <laughs> the one doucher soldier guy, he even says a slogan for like the army. He's like, sir, let's be all we can be. And it's kind that of is very like, divisive for sure. Yeah. It's like purposeful. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then, yeah, like we said, Hummel's plan now out the window, he's pretty much given up on it, but his men are not ready to do that. Uh, they're, they're pretty much going to usurp Hummel at this point, And Tony Todd is, uh, going to take over, uh, because he's no longer obeying any orders and he almost shoots, uh, who's, who's the second in command there, Brett, do you know his name? Uh, the tall white guy. John David Morse? David Morse. Pat, I'm, uh, I don't remember his Major name. Major Tom Baxter. Baxter? Baxter, yeah. Ground control to Major Tom Baxter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he's pretty much his right hand man. And then he, there's some pretty great scenes where they're going back and forth about what the hell are you doing? Uh, this wasn't the plan, blah, blah, blah. And right up until Tony Todd is about to shoot, uh, Hummel. Uh, you think Major Tom is also going to shoot Hummel, but then he does the last second I'm your bro move and shoots Tony Todd <laughs> in the arm <laughs> and kind of proves his allegiance to Hummel one last time. Um, so I thought that was a cool back and forth, but then ultimately Hummel ends up getting shot multiple times and dragged off by good speed. Uh, Pap, what does, uh, what kind of happens off from here? What does, uh, Tony Todd and Goodspeed get into as they're running away. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty much, um, it becomes a, a one-on-one type situation, right? Is that what you're talking about, Mikey? Um, mm-hmm. bit of a cat and mouse game, uh, between Tony Todd and Goodspeed. Uh, one of the glass balls actually drops on the ground on top of the cement and like doesn't break and, and alerts Tony Todd to where he is. Um, in the meantime, Sean Connery is off like dealing with a sniper uh and pushing him over the edge who's speaking very stereotypically but tony <laughs> todd uh uh he gets a uh, one of these balls which I, I forget the name of the gas but he he gets it like cx in his mouth yeah and like kind of like karate chopped in which nick cage does a great job of like holding his own against a navy seal here in, in hand-to-hand combat but basically this gas is released and we get to see it uh, you get to see it in effect, and I, I, I could not care less if you're a Navy SEAL or a Marine. Uh. <laughs> you heard it. You heard it here, guys. That hates military. Hates freedom. Uh, that's not Tony Todd though. That's the strong as hell jawline guy. Uh, Tony Todd mm-hmm. is the black guy, and he gets shot off by the missile. Oh, okay, <laughs> he's the rocket man. man. He's the rocket yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of the guy with the jawline. This, the guy with the jawline, like, he was a would-be school shooter and somehow got steered out of that. 100%. And now he's, like, back on, he's back on the path. That man's got some dead eyes. <laughs> this character's backstory, he clearly beats his wife uh, <laughs> when he's not being a mercenary for General Hummel. And I'll say this, too. I don't know if they were being hyperbolic at the beginning where a teaspoon detonated over San Francisco uh, would kill, like, eight blocks worth but jawline fountaining spitting that gas up into the air should be devastating <laughs> those around well, this is where <laughs> they vomits this it is everywhere. definitely where they uh they fudge what really happens i mean the med the medical stuff here is so bad uh it makes no sense but again this is definitely maybe the number one time where you're not supposed to think like 
No, atropine is not going to stop your skin from melting off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I no. wasn't even thinking yeah. about that because I was la- – this is my hardest belly laugh of the movie when Nick Cage stabs himself in the heart and he's twitching around all alone on screen. Like, that's just peak everything yeah. from this movie. <laughs> uh, doesn't he stab himself clearly in the belly? Yeah, it's like, pretty low. It's close to his heart. That's what Brittany was talking about. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's going the wrong way. Uh, he's going up underneath his rib cage, trying to get to his heart. And I think he clearly misses, but yeah, the jawline guy is spitting, spitting all that VX gas all over the place. I'll, I'll say this. I think they mentioned, uh, that it has to be aerosolized or whatever, uh, in the atmosphere to spread out way farther, uh, for that teaspoon comment there, Pat, but yeah, he's also spitting it all over Nick Cage, and it would clearly mess him up. Yeah, like we said, good speed injects himself with that big ass, big ass uh, needle. Uh, Corey, what happens with good speed, and does he survive? Uh, he does not survive, unfortunately. Rest in peace, good speed. <laughs> <laughs> no sequel. <laughs> End of movie roll credits. So what happens is the the government has sent in their like countermeasure, which is they they have jets flying in to drop like thermite i think it's called on alcatraz which will destroy the place and potentially maybe neutralize the vx gas they have there but after nick cage has recovered from his uh, stomach wound of that needle uh, he gets up and he remembers that he has to like sign the flares out to the jets to stop them from bombing the place down the green flare so you get a very funny shot of him like on his knees, holding the flares, yelling up into the sky. The jets are coming in. Then the camera like tilts up, and you see the jets just fly overhead. But one of them does accidentally drop the bomb off at the last second. So part of Alcatraz mm-hmm. gets blown up. Nicolas Cage is thrown into the water. Can I say I have a really quick note about like when he's holding the flares, the green flares? It's okay. There's this thing that local photographers do uh, where they have like a model at sunset on a rooftop with like a can of colored smoke and they like wave it all around. And I guess it's like pretty cool colors, but it's like every time I see those pictures, it's like, why would a person just be like chilling, hanging out with like a can of smoke? It just never makes sense. But now that I've seen this movie again, (laughs) I will never be able to look at those the same way. And uh, I just want to give a shout out to those local photographers. Keep doing God's work. I'm 100% getting a wedding photo of hand, on my knees, green smoke and <laughs> eyes in my tux. <laughs> That'd be so amazing. I will take the picture, Pat. Stevie, is this a, a staunch porn money shot right here of Cage on his knees? <sighs> no, but... <laughs> it's purely visual. <laughs> Certainly. <sighs> I can't count how many times Michael Bay has done this. I know it's at least twice. No, it's three times now where he has the president of the United States uh, just monologuing to a, a, a wall with dramatic music playing in the background. He did it in Armageddon. He did it in Pearl Harbor. And he did it in this movie. Um, but certainly, if you want to like talk about like the money shot of the entire movie, it's certainly Nick Cage waving the flares and just screaming. Like, I hope they were playing music for Nick Cage. Uh, while he's doing this, because this is kind of the mood you're going to be in. 
But I would also love to have been on set just to hear them scream action and Nick Cage <laughs> screaming while everybody else is silent. That would have been perfect. <laughs> that is a good image right there. <laughs> so the implication is that uh, Goodspeed gets blowed up and tossed into the water and Mason goes in there and saves him. And this is where I thought it sounded like the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. Anytime Sean Connery was on screen, he always had like this Irish flute in the background and <laughs> just like playing over all of his dialogue it was really weird uh but good speed ends up covering for mason when he gets a phone call on the walkie-talkie and uh they're just trying to see if mason and good speed are still alive good speed covers for him says he got vaporized and uh tossed into the into the ocean and as they're kind of parting ways here mason gives good speed the location of the x-files microfilm and as we roll credits, Goodspeed ends up uh, looking at the microfilm and seeing who killed JFK. And that's pretty much the end of the movie. Uh, so It was Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the average person, even an FBI agent, would look at the microfilm of who killed JFK and be like, Oh, it's a white guy. I have no idea who this guy is. How would I know who hired this guy? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it's not—it's not, not going to be the fucking picture of Lyndon B. Johnson with a sniper rifle from the grassy knoll. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean that guy is probably dead, and there's no there's no way to find that guy now at this point anymore. So, but like we said, there's also like proof of UFOs on there. There's like all these wiretapping apparently records and stuff on there. It's the X Files. There's a whole bunch of stuff on there, Pat. You gotta expand True. upon the universe of the X-Files. X-Files plus Goldeneye. Ooh. I believe. Uh, so that was The Rock. Uh, you guys got any last thoughts? We can go around Weast to East again. Uh, one last thought. Uh, when Nick Cage is interrog- or, uh, when Nick Cage is interrogating and capitulating to everything Sean Connery demands, uh, the person who says that's one way to go about it is Stanley from Sex in the City, yep. which is probably the only, this is the only podcast who's going to give you that information. Willie Garson. So. <laughs> yep. <laughs> is that it? Anybody got anything else? We can give our yes or no's now. Yeah. All right. You bring the cockroaches. Let's go east to weast this time. Brett, let's start with you. Oh, this is like such a hard yes. I love this movie. I've seen it. Like I said earlier uh, on the thread, probably at least 20 times. Um, I couldn't disagree with Pappy Moore. I've always loved the score. Um, it puts me at least, uh, I don't know. I, I really like it. I love this is classic cage. Uh, I don't, I can't tell if Mikey's being serious or not, but I think this is like Michael Bay's best movie by far. I think it's peak Bay. I mean, it's like right up there with peak Modine. I mean, it's right up there. <laughs> um, I love Sean Connery in this movie. Uh, I think it's got like an amazing cast of like character actors. It's just, it's awesome. I love this movie. We watched it so many times when we were kids. So this is definitely a hard yes for me. Cool, cool. And I'm not joking, Brett. I do think it's Michael Bay's best movie all right, cool. by far, probably. Yeah, they're mostly all bad. Uh, <laughs> well, when the bar is so low, uh, there's not much that needs to stand out to take the. I love Bad Boys though. Spot. Oh, Bad Boys is so good. Josh. Yeah, I think one thing we didn't really talk about 
and that's fine, is that this movie, I think, is ultimately about beta men versus alpha men, and Nick Cage becoming, like, kind of the master of both to become the ultimate man or something. Um, And Mason has, like, this line that we never talked about, but one of the most famous lines of this movie where he says... Losers talk about the best, but winners <laughs> fuck the prom queen. <laughs> and it's kind of funny, but that's probably like the most problematic line from this movie for me. If I'm going to be a social justice warrior for a second, it's it's pretty much straight rape culture. What? To be honest, what? <laughs> <laughs> like a winner is going to get. Get it done, Brett. Whatever not, it takes, they he are going to, go to... And rape the prom inter- There's been too much interrupting on yes or no. I'm putting my foot down now. We don't do that. It's Josh's time to talk. That's, so that's my thought about that. I, my gosh, I'm I'm tearing this down. But this is like like Pappy said this, like in this is his masterpiece, Michael Bay's, because he did perfect the art here of making you forget about all those questions and just live in the moment and. He does a cool job of showing you all of his toys at cool angles. Like a scene like San Francisco, he takes advantage of everything San Francisco, like those cars that they have and the the rails. There's one part where a car is driving and you see all the coins from the meters popping out. Like every little thing that you could think of that'd be crazy to see in a movie is in this. I love him for it. They should have just robbed a bank, though, with how much like <laughs> military skill they had, and it's a lot like Armageddon in that way. With like astronauts could have just learned how to drill. So that's my yes or no. I didn't mean to get so controversial there, Brett and Pap. It's it's all good. I'm good. So is that a yes? Yes. He, yeah. Great yes. <laughs> okay. A great yes. No, I brought uh, me into that. I wasn't the one who interrupted you. Uh, well, you say something stupid, you should get interrupted. Meow. Uh, Stevie. <laughs> Jeez, uh, <laughs> getting heated. Whew. Uh, I will give this a crazy hard yes. Um, I love Michael Bay films because you can see them. The minute you turn on a movie, you know if it's a Michael Bay film or not. Um, plus, I think this is one of Nick Cage's best movies. It's just so much fun to watch. And Michael Bay does this thing with the camera. Where, I mean, he has to do it at least 18 times in a movie. Otherwise, he probably considers it not a great movie, kind of like him in Helicopters. Where he starts at the ground floor with a character, then rises up (laughs) and circles that character. Yes. He has to circle the character to give weight to a scene. He, uh, I mean, he perfected it in Bad Boys 2 when Martin Lawrence finds out that his sister's been kidnapped. Anyone who's listening to this podcast, go watch that scene and know what I'm talking about. But, uh, yeah. Love this movie. Super hard yes. So happy you picked it, Mikey. Cool, cool. Pappy? Again, just to reiterate, uh, a little bit of meta time. Uh, yes or no's is not the time to interrupt the host. <laughs> that is the host time to express their uninterrupted thoughts. Uh, I, I think Brett or Josh used the word masterpiece. I, I totally 100% agree with that. And I think that, like, especially now that I'm a little bit older and I look at like people who are like first getting into film in their early 20s there's this tendency to think that like what a masterpiece is or, or like you know like what a an amazing film is it's just like this like really limited like Kino oh it's Ing- Ingmar Bergman it's, it's avant-garde it's like boring <laughs> it's got a lot of dialogue and like this is a masterpiece in that it's really the 
prime er example of a whole genre. This is the definition of a 90s action movie to me. And, and maybe you could like say The Matrix is like maybe a better film, but this is like wh- when I would look up 90s movie action movie in the dictionary, this is exactly what I would think of. I, I thought that like Bay's style complemented the pace of the movie brilliantly. I, I don't think the score is terrible. I just think it's like kind of a pedestrian score and and i bet even at the time if i wouldn't have the context of like pirates of the caribbean and stuff i wouldn't have been so hard on it but overall i just think this movie works a hundred percent perfectly it's firing on all cylinders cylinders staunch porn not staunch porn i could watch this movie over and over and over again and like the best compliment i can give a movie is it doesn't feel it's runtime which is over two hours uh so great pick mikey good hosting great episode had a lot of fun uh hard yes for me cool Corey. All right. Well, I feel like I'm just kind of maybe too smart for this movie. Oh, no. I watch Christopher oh, Nolan movies, right, Brett, so interrupt. I'm pretty smart. Brett, permission to interrupt. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to give this a no, and it's not because of the joke reason that I just <gasps> said. Um, I can definitely see the appeal of this movie, but it's not the kind of movie that appeals to me in that I don't like these kinds of action scenes. Uh, I don't I don't know if I ever did. Uh, this movie is not one I have a lot of nostalgia for, like some others. I, not everyone here, I know, but like Brett, for example. So I saw it once as a kid, and I completely forgot about it. So it was almost a new watch for me. It is very 90s, but not in the way that I like. And maybe some of my feelings toward Michael Bay have kind of colored my view at you know, tried not to go into it with that, but sometimes you can't help it. Uh, the action stuff is what gives it a no for me. It's it's an action movie. There's a lot of action scenes. I don't enjoy them for the most part. A little bit too quick. A lot of just people shooting guns, ducking behind things, <laughs> chase scenes with bad jokes I don't like. I do like Nicolas Cage, and I do like Sean Connery a lot. I like their interactions, and I mentioned this earlier, it's the in-between moments I like. It's, you know, when... Nick Cage is trying to convince Sean Connery to help him out because everyone else is dead. It's it's those moments. So it is a soft no, but it is still a no. Corey, you have never been more wrong or more confused. On I this understand podcast. Inception. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, congrats, Corey, but you've totally missed the point of Michael Bay's masterpiece. I'm giving this a hard yes. One of the hardest yeses I'm ever going to give on this podcast. I love this movie. Uh, like Pap said, it, it's on so many highs. Uh, the dialogue is great between Sean Connery and Nick Cage. And I just love the MacGuffin weapon at the end that has all these juicy little balls inside <laughs> <laughs> that uh, could explode and cause a terrible, uh, have terrible side effects, uh, which also looks pretty disgusting and cool. So I loved everything about this movie. The action is great. Um, and, yeah, like we said, the, you don't notice the runtime at all, uh, which I think is a really big compliment for a movie that is this long. Uh, but I'm not going to wax poetic anymore about The Rock. Uh, it's just a great movie, and it's certified fresh by our standards, and it's probably a couple of those juicy VX gas balls that are just ripe enough to Tide eat. Tide pods. Yeah. I think that's. I think this is Michael Bay's only certified fresh film on Rotten Tomatoes. I do agree that it's probably his best movie that I've seen. 
I would not doubt that, Josh. I don't like really anything else that he's done besides Bad Boys. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was The Rock. Uh, what should we... No, we'll just hop into trivia right now. Um, Josh came up with this game a couple of episodes Uh-oh. ago when he hosted. He called it Golf. Uh, but it's written specifically in the rule books that I am not supposed to credit him with this because I improved upon the game so much and made it better. <laughs> uh, so just ignore that part. Uh, but Pap gave me the trivia order, and right now it's looking like Brett, Josh, Stevie, Kylo, and Pappy. Brett, I'm going to give you the option to change the order if you want. Um, you want to go in reverse, or do you want to keep it the same? Wait, Brett gets the pick? Yeah, why does Brett... Isn't he priority? Did he just host Never Ending? Oh, sorry, no, Pappy. You... I'm on the schneid. Uh, I can change the order at all. Wait, wait, what is it? I can go first or last? Those are my choices? Yeah. You're not and, first uh, or last. It's golf, so it's closest to questions. I'll give the rules later. I'll go last, then. Okay. So I'll, let me write this down. Uh, and I'll read the the rules to you in a second. So does Brett go first on all of them? Uh, yes. So there's going to be three rounds of questions. Each round will be a closest two question. Uh, the scoring is first place is a birdie, negative one. Second place par, third place bogey, fourth place double bogey, fifth place mm-hmm. triple bogey. Nice. Um, Snowman. All, all of these, uh, <laughs> all of these, uh, will be added up uh, at the end and whoever is got the lowest score uh, will win trivia for next week. Uh, you can also get an eagle if you are within the preset zone for each question. If you're really close but you don't nail it right on the head, uh, you'll get a double eagle or you'll get an eagle for that. And if you nail the answer right on the money, you get a hole in one and it ends the game automatically as a winner. Ooh. Uh, and in the event of a tie after those three rounds, please don't tie. <laughs> um, I'll just uh, think of a number between one and a hundred. Just, and just pick a winner, Mikey, and duke it out that way. Uh, yeah, so we'll start off with uh, Brett. Um, question one. Uh, after each question, I'll just have to do some math and see who's closest. Uh, hold on, let me get my calculator. Okay. Question one. How much did Nick Cage spend on his infamous dino skull during his crazy money-wasting heyday? Ten million dollars. Next, Josh. That seems like a lot. Um, I'm going to say one and a half mil. Next, Stevie. What did Brett say? 10? 10 mil. 85 million. Ooh, boy. On a skull? Uh, Kylo? Belongs in a museum. 84 million. (laughs) (laughs) Pap. Well, what was the lowest one? 1.5. Well, there's only 1.49 numbers between zero and that. I'll take the high. Uh, 
whatever the one over whatever Stevie guessed. Fuck you. <laughs> All right. Uh, the winner of that round, Josh. The answer is two hundred seventy-six thousand dollars. Oh no! You guys all blew it. <laughs> Am I in the pre-range zone? Is that an no, eagle? No, the pre-range Dang zone it. was within ten k, and you weren't close enough to that. Uh, so Damn. let me tally up. Your I am not real basing quick. my answers off you motherfuckers anymore. <laughs> That's half the game. <laughs> Josh, you got a negative one. Brett, par. Uh, Kylo, plus one. Stevie plus two. Happy with the snowman. Snowman? Shh, no. Golf score. Pat plus three. Snowman. It's when you shoot a uh, triple bogey on a par five. It turns out to an eight. All right. Question two. Brett, you're first again. What (sighs) year was Sean Connery born? Let's see. Let's go. Some of us have to work in the morning. Uh, let's go with 1939. Josh? 1930. Oh, boy, Josh, you just won. Hole in one, buddy. Nailed it. I was not expecting that. Great guess. I hope I'm you didn't look it up. I'm dancing. I'm dancing in here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll take go. a we'll take a quick break. Uh, wasn't expecting that, Josh. Uh, unless you got your movie ready to go now, I can toss I it to Spoiler a, Man. I need a break. All right, Spoiler Man, please take it away. Spoiler Man here. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is Podcast Spoilers. It's lit. And we're back. Josh, you got your movie? I do. And like I just told you guys during the break, I can't believe I'm going to do this. Um, I chose Office Space, and I, I want to kind of move myself into comedies uh-huh. a little bit. And you guys know I love Jim Carrey, loved Andy and me, and we did all that stuff, but... We're going to go all the way back to Ace Ventura Pet Detectives yes. in 1994. This is really just me going with my gut here. I did not expect to win tonight, and I'm so pumped to do this movie. Alrighty then. That's half-hearted. Never do that half-hearted <laughs> again, Corey. <laughs> it's so sad when it's half-hearted. Alrighty then. Alrighty then. Alrighty then. Let's just do Ace Ventura. Alright, well, I haven't seen that movie in a long time, so I guess I'm excited for that. Uh, thanks for sticking around this long. I, that was a long movie, and hopefully the pod was not nearly as long as it needed to be. <laughs> but <laughs> we can edit that up. Uh, thanks for sticking around, and that was spoilers. Cool, right? Oh, yeah.
my brother my brother texted me last week and said um I need to stop interrupting so much and stop sighing so loudly. Dude, they, some they, Benadryl in there. Dude, they, they, they make CBD for dogs, apparently. And it knocks her <laughs> the fuck out. Uh, now I'm just watching you know, Ed, Ed Harris be a dick to the people on set. She can finally relax. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's probably pretty helpful. Oh, very, very much so. I, I gave it to her in the morning because she's like off. in a cage for five hours at a time. So we both go to work. So, What did I vote for, Pat? What are you talking about? Why did you vote for Michael Bay and not uh, Adaptation Jones? I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> Maybe Michael Bay won me over, man. Maybe Michael Bay won me over. Oh, no! Did your cat finally jump out the window? Oh, dear. Oh, what? Yeah. yeah. My mic stand is like falling apart. Oh no! Oh yeah! <laughs> ah no! Hi Kylo. Let me get what my up? uh my blankie here. Is Brad in or out? What are, what are we saying on that? I think he's in, but he's not in yet. Seal the door. I thought he seal the door. <laughs> Three, two, one, go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought he was pretty. I don't know why he's not in. I'm so. Uh. I thought he's eating dinner. Yeah, yeah, his audacity is also fucked up. Is he? So I think he was saying he's not going to reinstall it tonight. Um. But I'm pretty sure he's still on the podcast. How many of us are there there tonight? Six? Seven? Mm, like Maths. Joe's not in. So I think there's six of us. What the fuck? Uh, Seal the door! Okay. Josh, aren't your kids trying to sleep? What the hell, man? <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Seals the door. That's, that's terrifying. <laughs> when I was six, I heard my dad yelling for the yeah, I'm all cranky today because my dad was being a dumbass downstairs with his friends. So let's explore why you're afraid of basements. When's the last time?
That was spoilers.